Quiet on the set. Action. everyone and welcome to the Movie Machine Podcast, a show produced by Hot Chocolate Media where we take a random prompt from the internet and we turn it magically into a film for you. I am joined by three of the Hollywood elite today. We have our writer, Kyle Decker, who is John Travolta's barber on the Pelham 123 remake. We have our director, Ben Lifson, who is Bruce Willis's barber on Surrogates. And we have our producer, Darwin Hull, who is Jason Statham's barber on Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Welcome, gentlemen. Easiest job I ever had. <laughs> the straight razor and a bottle of lube. Yeah, like mm. once a week, it was great. <laughs> All right, here is your prompt. The theme of this story is a light-hearted thriller. The main character is a creative novelist, and the major event of the story is guilt. All right, so we open up. We've got a, a writer sitting at their uh, computer starting a story. We're going to call this uh, writer Terry, so it can be gender neutral, so we can cast either way. So Terry, our writer, they are going to start a story. They We're going to, I'm going to write in some scripts some pan shots showing overdue bills and all kinds of stuff, and then we'll start with an opening thing with, there'll be uh, them just listening to a voicemail message from their agent saying a script for this, you know, like, your draft's due, you got this advance, you know, Publishers all over me, so this kind of starts with uh, a little bit of sense of urgency on the writer's part, and uh, it's facing a jam. But all of a sudden, the the writer is hit with a, a sense of inspiration as, as they look out the window and they see a young man out there walking his dog, and he decides to make the story about the uh, young man and his dog. Little does he know that there's something in the cosmos connecting them all. That young man and his dog are actually visitors from another dimension. And by the writer writing about him, they've kind of linked like almost like a, a string across the cosmos kind of connects these. And everything the writer writes about this boy and his dog affects the boy and the dog. He can't directly control them. But if he writes that the boy and the dog are caught in a rainstorm, suddenly it starts raining on the boy and the dog. Uh, various other things. But the boy and the dog don't realize why these things are happening. They're just living their life, and all of a sudden these forces start happening, and the writer makes it an adventure, kind of a 10-10 type adventure with a boy and his dog. But the kid doesn't realize, like, why am I suddenly being chased by Nazis and various other things? And it's going to go around. It's going to keep resetting because the writer has an idea, and he doesn't like it, and he deletes it. And so these things happen, and then they don't happen. And it's just scene, set piece after set piece, this boy and his dog, who never the writer will keep changing the names throughout because he's not sure it works. There's, in one one scene, the boy is named Toby and the dog is named Rico, and then they're like, "No, I don't like that. I want the names to be D'Artagnan and Smith." And I'm like, "No, that's just stupid." And he keeps changing their names, and the kid doesn't like as it goes on. He's like, "I don't even know who I am anymore. My name keeps changing," and he has this real identity crisis. And the writer has no idea what's going on until the boy and his dog circle back around and the writer writes something he realizes as he sees the boy and dog out again and they change as soon as he writes and the uh the writer realizes that he has been influencing somehow through magic this boy and his dog he feels guilty this is guilt is a theme and invites him in and explains i'm sorry 
And together, they learn how to fix the world. Like, they use this newfound power to where the writer writes all the wrongs in the world with the, this boy and his dog's main story. And it's, they end up, you know, having this great shot at the end of them fixing the world, at least we hope. And uh, we're going to call this Real Prose. Real Prose. Yes. Okay. I'm assuming it, P-R-O's S- Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. but it's also a pun. Yeah. All right, so Ben, you've got the first draft for Real Prose on your desk. Uh, it stars a novelist who is, unbeknownst to him, uh, influencing the lives of a young boy and his dog. What do you think? How are we going to make this movie? Okay, so yeah, I find this interesting. Um, we can think of some good cast right off the bat. Um, I think for the author, we want someone who's, you know charismatic and can kind of be likable but can also play off the sort of like things are kind of falling apart you know what i mean so i'm thinking aaron eckhart be good for the novelist for the child actor i just went through this rolodex of current child actors and i think uh like you do yeah judah lewis would be awesome for this um, you just made up that name didn't no you? uh yeah. judah so i'm sorry judah lewis that's a real Slightly name. Slightly more believable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was on CSI Super Cyber, so I think... How many CSIs do they have these days? I don't know, but... Um, we may never know. They only cast the best child actors, so I trust their judgment. Yeah. I mean, I was I was in the pilot. I helped write the pilot for CSI uh, Cafeteria Police. Ah. So. And then the dog, I don't know, I'll just go down to the actor dog kennel, yeah, which, I, which they yeah, have here in Hollywood. That's, that's um, I mean, the dog could change throughout the whole movie as the writer right, changes. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it could be a pit bull in one scene and then a shisu in the other. Yeah. Right. I'm thinking for the style, we're going to kind of, even though it's sort of modern, we're going to try to give it sort of a nostalgic feel. I'm thinking kind of, you know, sandlotish, you know, <laughs> kind of yellowish, you know, tint, you know what I mean? And that can be a thing also where as the author changes sort of his opinion or what this story is going to be, we can also shoot it in more creative ways. He suddenly, if he, in the part of the script where he decides, oh, this is going to now be a dark thriller, uh, suddenly we're going to go all like Nolan or Snyder on it. And I think uh, that little contrast will also make it part of the audience. I really want to make the author sort of the point of view character here because, you know, the audience, they want to see different things and the author is doing that. So uh, that should be interesting. I think, I think currently we need to give a little bit more presence to the parents. I think... Because right now it's kind of centered on the boy and his dog. And I was thinking a thing that could play with that is the parents are being affected in a way. So they think that whatever happens is normal. Like, do we ever give a name to the kid? No. Uh, Because his name changes. His name changes. Right. Right. Okay. That that makes the script a bit more easy to understand then. So I I just, I'm not sure why you just said kid over and over. So um, that makes more sense now. So, it's but be a hell of a credit on IMDb. Just, right. You know, um, we just call him the kid. Right. Yeah, but it's like, but uh, his parents will be, but kid, you were always in the mathathlon, the chess club. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I wasn't. I've never played chess before. It's like, what are you talking about? Here's all your trophies. What's going on? So we're going to really play with that a bit. Okay. All right. So Darwin, you've got a, a script and a treatment for real prose on your desk. Yeah, uh, you've got cool. some some reasonable names attached. Aaron Eckhart has agreed to sign on. What do you think? Can we give you guys some money? Is this a feasible project? I think we've got a really great idea here, but I think we're thinking we're playing small ball, and we can knock this one out of the park. You know, I think we could really if we push this because you think about it, we got all these different styles, like two different scenes. Right. 
you know, think of the number of cameos we could squeeze into this motherfucker. You know, every time we see the parents, they're two different actors. You know, start with like Idris Elba and uh, the woman from Star Trek, the the new one. Please, Goldberg. No, please, her in the new movie. Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana. Yeah, you know, get the two of them together one time, and then the next time it's like Maggie and Jake Gyllenhaal, and everybody doesn't want to say it, but it's kind of weird that they're playing parents. You know, but it, you just keep moving, and it just keeps the audience so distracted that you uh, they really can't lock on to anything. You know, so you don't really get into these controversies, and we could just set it up the size of the movie poster we would need to name all of the actors that we're gonna cram into this. It's gonna be incredible. I, I'm telling you. And then what I, I think you, you touched it on at the end, but I think you might want to focus on it a bit more, maybe just a second, you know, a rewrite. The su- supervillain-esque abilities that this writer has to affect this small boy, and apparently the world at large. You know, all of a sudden he says it's raining and global climate sh- patterns shift, and it's raining right on the boy. I, I, I think we're not exploring that enough. You know, what if he what if he tries to take over the world and then the boy and the dog have to try to fight against him? Because they're the only ones that realize what the hell's going on. I think I, I think you got some real potential here, kid, but I just think it, it needs a little little more oomph. And and celebrity cameos. Like really just as many as we can get. Maybe the dog we could like CGI Chris Rock or something. Um it would be a good time. Uh yeah. That's uh that's my advice here. I think again, it's got some real potential. But I think you just need to up you know, not up, down, down the attention span necessary. Make no scene longer than a tweet. The kids love the Twitter these days. You do that, you do that, and I'm willing to throw $75 million at this picture. I'm saying you would have an unlimited budget. Right now, you got whatever's in my pocket, like 20 mil. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not you got a fan big pockets. of pockets. Yeah, I do. They're real big. You better believe it. Um, Size of a mattress. Yeah. So, uh... You know, that's on you. You want to stay true to your artistic vision or whatever? Yeah, a little bit less. Pack this full of cameos. Like, you got you got an easy street point. All right. So, Kyle, you've got the uh, information back from the studio. You have a, a project. You can get started. It sounds like they're, they're willing to hire on some pretty big names for uh, cameos in this piece. What do you think? What comes next? Sure. I think we need to make the scenes a little longer than a tweet. Um, I'm all for some fast cuts and some quick changes. Like I can even write in some like straight up Doctor Strange slash uh, Inception where like the scenery changes, like the buildings change right in front of the kid as it's happening. But instead of cutting away, like it can be a longer scene, but things are changing. Sure. We can make the change constant, but let's, let's draw the scenes out a little longer for the sake of people's motion sickness. And then I like the idea of the, uh, the writer having like this realization that he can i don't want him to become a villain because he wants to take over the world i want him to try and make the world like oh i can make the world how i see it's right so he's trying to right the wrongs he sees in his eyes and he's changing who you know the leadership of governments are and doing things but every time he does one thing he has you know a bit of a butterfly effect where he like makes something wrong somewhere else keeps doing it he realizes it's happening and I like, I like the, the boy realizing it and the boy is trying to the boy and the writer are the only two anchors in the world and everything else is fluid I think that has to be one of the rules of this world we've created is the only anchors are the boy and the writer and the boy has to 
well, I want him to have a moment realization where he has some influence and control as well. And he starts using this newfound power to fight back. The, the writer tries to write, changing it, like you said, to the, right, the more of a darker tone and everything. He's like, no, 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 we're going to like, like we have scenes where the sun and the moon are like flipping back and forth as the boy and the writer like having their, their kind of force of will battles and everything. And uh, it, it's wreaking havoc, and the boy ultimately wants to return to his original life and everything that he had while trying to remember it. Like, he's, his own identity and all is getting muddled and everything through this because he's like, I don't remember who my parents were. Or is the really, you know, is J.K. Simmons my dad? Or is it uh, Nicolas Cage? I can't keep track of this. It's just all over the place. All three. Interesting. Um, is Jaden Smith my is the class clown or my brother? Like I don't know. I can't keep track of this. This thing's all over the place. And I definitely don't want to. I want to totally blur the lines of gender and race. Like like he could have two dads at one point or two moms. Uh, his parents and siblings and all can be of any race or creed. Like I want to definitely blur those lines and just. Like, because it's the writer making the story, so anything can change. And I wanted to come to a head to where the kid points out to the writer that he has become mad with power and everything, and that he's actually making the world a, a worse place. And the writer, that's when he has the moment of guilt, and he hands the laptop or the typewriter and the notebook, whatever we decide he's writing, the writer's writing with, gives it to the boy, and the boy destroys it, and everything returns to normal with kind of a sci-fi time-bending shot at the end. All right. So, Ben, you've got some revisions. You've got a lot more details. You've got some money. What do you think? So, we were actually, while we were shooting the scenes with Aaron Eckhart... Um, oh, I want to change the title, Happily Ever After. Sorry. Okay. It's a good yeah. title. It's a good title. He... But he felt that some of the things that he would occasionally have the boy and dog do didn't feel like it was coming naturally from his character. But uh, we were talking about it and we thought a good idea would be, uh, just to add a little bit of variety to it, is that we... We'll show his editor a bit more, uh, bring him in a little bit, where the editor is then starting to give these ideas of like, you know, it's like we need to we need to kill off the dog, or um, you know, kids today like this sort of thing, you know, like I think that we can play with the idea that maybe I don't know an editor sometimes makes decisions that will completely radically change how a storyline is going to go. Uh, I think that could be a fun little th- and so him giving sort of these suggestions that then uh, lead to more disaster for the child. And we can sort of poke fun at what current trends are in uh, literature or filmmaking, stuff like that. As we were shooting it, we did decide to go with a notebook, uh, just because dramatically it looks better to have Aaron Eckhart furiously crossing out words than uh, deleting them. So, and then we can do all sorts of visuals where like the papers are everywhere and he's made weird little charts. Um, So I'm, I'm gonna thank my prop guy for that. His name is Walter, he's a good guy. Props to Walter. Right, <laughs> that's a good. Uh, he, and Walter to props. Right, we uh, actually he has asked to stop making that joke. Uh, I know you guys just thought of it now, but he has heard that a lot. So right. Uh, so but yeah, um, with the dog being killed off, um, that sort of and that's sort that's a, of it's a big plot point. And that's kind of the moment that also changes everything when. It's sort of, it's dramatic, and he's decided, okay, I'm going to do this. And then we have a really nice dramatic moment where he's, he's so he's finished the, the paragraph about the dog dying, and we intercut the kid being really sad about it. And then he's walking off, uh, the author's walking off, he's going to go to bed, and then he stops and walks back and then just crosses that out, and then the dog comes back. And um, that's sort of also a big changing point in the film. Because, you know, we have some fun with this premise, but we also... 
want to show sort of the drama in a few areas, too. We've also added a scene where Aaron Eckhart, after he figures out his author powers, he tries to do it to himself, but then gets furiously frustrated that it's not working. Like he's saying, Terry suddenly gets a million dollars and nothing happens, and he's like, God damn it, stupid ass magic powers. So yeah. All right. So Darwin, you've got most of a movie shot. It's beginning to come together. You've got a lot of the scenes falling into place. What do you think? Any last changes before you ship it off to distribution? I think, again, you guys have touched on a really brilliant idea here that you haven't quite taken as far as it can go. Because what you brought yourself here is a zombie apocalypse movie. Because you bring the dog back from the dead... And you just, you just let that sit there. You got a zombie dog played by a CGI Chris Rock moaning and laboring its way through the streets. I know I'm just the writer. Pretty sure the world, the rules, we, like, the dog dies, but if he gets written back in, it's not a zombie dog, it's just a new dog. Yeah, but we, we make and the I, rules. I, I we're, think we're we had the budget of the movie. First, CGI and, Chris and, Rock. And dog. the, uh, the what, what'd you call it at the end there, the happily ever after? Yeah. Well, it sounds like the zombies come right at the end, so it's zombily ever after. It's no, really, that's no. that's how we're, hey, look, kid, I put up the 100 mil. Kyle, Kyle, put the gun down. <laughs> Remove it from your head, please. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kid, it's going to be okay. We're all going to make so much cash I, off of this. I don't think you so. You can make a million happily ever afters. It's fine. It'll be fine. How, how does zombie, Just, uh, I mean... <laughs> Incidentally, Look, so you're the one that said the dog died and came back to life. That I feel like that's not my fault. Well, I said that actually. Actually, I didn't say that. At well, all. look, point is, one of you said it. We also had a scene of the editor suggesting a zombie movie, but we put that in as a joke. Yeah, well, that's what you get when you base a character off me. Don't think I didn't catch that, Junior. All right, look, I'm just trying to make this movie some money. I don't know why you guys get up in the morning. You know, you can make art any day. Let's make some cash. I'm gonna put by this as my pseudonym. I'm gonna write under a pseudonym. So just to be clear with the changes you're making, are you changing the whole movie to Zombie Apocalypse? No, it's just like the third act. It's it's like the last 20 minutes. You know, like there's this dimensional stuff happening and then zombies show up. But we're going to call the movie Zombie After Hours. Yeah, it's a very big spoiler. And only have like the the last part of the movie be about zombies. Yeah. I just it's feel people. Like I know I'm just a writer. I'm not a producer. I, you are just a writer. But this just seems like a mistake. That's fair. You can think that. You can look, tell you what. When I buy my $400 million mansion, you can tell me what a mistake this sounds like. As being directly on your payroll, I think this is a great idea. Yes, sir. This is what a company man looks like. That's why we hire you freelance. Have you seen John Carter Mars? I think that's what this is going to turn into. Considering this was made by... I have no idea what you just said. You might as well have said gibberish to me. I don't hear bad movie titles. World War Z? Yeah, that was a great zombie movie. It made tons of money. Yeah, I think we're going to do better. Did it make less money? Better. I, I don't. I, I'm getting a no on that. My money sense is going off, and it's saying probably didn't do that well because it didn't have the the drama of the small kid and the dog. You didn't even because we're bringing it all together. So my question is this: Before I put all the data into the movie machine, how does this film end with your changes? Zombie apocalypse. They eat the world. Okay, so the third. We act- see Terry sitting there with his notebook, but his his hand is falling apart as he's trying to write because he's a zombie. All right, so uh, I'm going to put all the data into the movie machine here, and I will pull the lever, which sounds like the pages of the book uh, flipping rapidly and then also moaning. So you've got some some mixed results coming in, uh, unsurprisingly. You don't say. 
Mixed results. Yeah, everybody likes it. So he said like other shop you can tamp on his voice. Sorry, continue. So uh, a lot of people actually came to see this movie. You got a lot of turnout from the trailers. People thought it looked really interesting. People Gosh, came and, and watched the movie. Your first weekend, second weekend, you're on track to make back your money. If you had finished out the month as strong as you uh-huh. did, uh, you started out, you probably would have made back everything plus a little bit more. Here's the problem, though. Not everyone liked the the ending. Some people thought it was a little odd to have a zombie apocalypse. However, the people who like Michael Bay movies just ate it up and were like, cool, everything's like violent and weird now. Awesome. And it's cinema porn. So they they went with that route and, you know, it kind of, that kind of brushed over. Uh, the problem is uh, Zach Helm, the writer of the 2006 film Stranger Than Fiction, sues you guys for stealing the idea to his his film for the the first two to three acts of the the movie and being that he is also the writer director of mr megorium's wonder emporium he has been struggling pretty damn hard since uh his success with stranger than fiction so he goes all in on trying to sue the shit out of you guys and get some money back uh which means that your distribution gets pulled after the second weekend and we just uh, set a lot of cord this isn't hard yeah i i who, who pays the lawyers around here? That's my... Oh, oh shit. I dropped the ball on that. My bad, guys. <laughs> so, at this point, you've you've made about... I want to say about 60% of your money back. You made about $60 million from your two weeks in the theater. If you'd had the rest of the month, you probably could have gotten back the, the rest of what you had. But you are being sued by Zach Hellman. A pretty good team of lawyers that he's put together waiting for some kind of time to strike. So... You can now use your your time magic, your movie machine, turn back time levers, which I've placed on your desks, to go back and make a few last minute changes or to alter the course of your your movie. So starting with Kyle, you have a couple minutes here. All right, so I resent the fact that while there's some similar concepts to Stranger Than Fiction, it's not an unheard concept. Like, the concept existed before he wrote his hack-eyed fucking Will fucking Ferrell piece of shit. One, I'm going to break the third wall totally by having the narrator's goddamn voice over every scene, like some crutch. Third wall? Third wall, whatever. Some crutch that he uses as a storytelling device with Will Ferrell acting like a crazy man. Will Ferrell was immediately aware his world was being influenced. Like, part of our reveal and one of the great things that sets us apart is the kid has to figure it out, and that's part of the challenge. Then's the stakes. He has to figure it out, and then he has to fight here in Eckhart. It's like, good God, there's similar things... Just settle out of court. He just give him some money. Tell him he can work on the sequel. I don't give a shit. Like, oh my god, such a petty people. Like, did did anyone sue freaking Sylvester Stallone for making the whatever it's called the Rocky Four, the Deplorables, oh, the, the Expendables, deplorables. whatever it's called. Like, I don't think we're supposed just, to say that word anymore. What deplorable? Deplorable. Uh, I think it's the Expendables. Expendables. Like he made the Expendables, which is like a ripoff of every team up action movie ever. Oh no! Did Ursula Le Guin sue freaking the the Stranger Than Fiction guy for stealing the entire plot from Lathe of Heaven, Heaven and making it a Will Ferrell rom com jerk off plot? What the nerve of this guy! Like literally, he steals an idea from Ursula K. Le Guin and he has the fucking nerve to sue me? What is this guy? I'm gonna go full UA bowl on him whoa, and challenge him to a boxing it. match. And if he can p- defeat me at boxing, I'll. I'll give him every penny I earned from the every penny I earned from this film. But that guy's got to chill down because he's not original. He's a hack. 
That's all I got. All right, so Ben, heated words coming from Kyle, our writer here. What do you think? What are you going to use your time magic for? So first off, I'm going to take it a bit less of an angry route. I'm going to talk about how a lot of inspiration homages came from the never-ending story as well. In the book, when in, in the book, uh, the kid suddenly learns he can influence it by writing stuff. So we also have that angle, and then we can, you know, I'm just the director, but I think that little extra bit will be used as an excuse. I'm conflicted on um, did a lot of people who like this movie like it because of the zombie part, or was it in spite of the zombie part? It's kind of about fifty-fifty. Like half the people who went in thought of the first half was like the first three or two thirds of the movie was fantastic, and then the last half. The last third was just, you know, a little bit underwhelming for a, a movie ending. It was not really exactly what they were looking for. And the people who, who came in who, you know, liked Transformers movies and stuff like that came in and they thought the, the first two thirds were okay, I guess, maybe I a little bit light on the action, but then they loved the, like, ramp up at the end. So I people think, should be lobotomized. So I think um, a way that we can also get back some, without changing the zombie part, because I have a feeling our producer isn't going to let that go, but very correct. a way that we can sort of appeal to the people who didn't like that is we're going to have a scene where Arnett Card's talking to his producer who talks about zombie movie twists and the writer's like, you're completely changing the genre at the last minute, this is insane, and the editor will be like, but no, this is going to appeal to people, and then people who don't like the zombie twists can also be like, oh, but they're making fun of the zombie twists, so it's actually really smart. So it's, it's like... In Batman v Superman, where everyone complained about the city getting destroyed, and then Batman's angry about it, and then dumb people were like, oh, that was their plan all along. We were supposed to not like Man of Steel. So that's great. So I think that will give us a little bit of extra oomph there. All right. So Darwin, you've got some revisions. So look, your, your writer's pretty angry. What do you yeah. think? What? Uh, how are you going to deal with Zack? Well, and, and that's, that's kind of the thing, is uh, I think if I can go back in time, I buy this kid's treatment for like 20 bucks, and then I never hire this guy. And I just get the Zach Helm guy to finish it off. He made a way better movie than we did. Uh, he I, I resent he, that. He could have, I mean, you he you cast Will Ferrell. Exactly. He cast Will Ferrell. The man's a popular actor. But he, he, a, he gets yeah, butts Popular does not equate to good. Yeah, but don't you want to see Will Ferrell get eaten by zombies? Because I tell you, I want to see that. We have Will I Ferrell as that. a cameo oh, of his dang. uncle. Yeah. Like, he's already in his... Yeah, but we don't see him getting by. And, and the point is, the point is, if I hire the guy who sued me, he can't sue me. It's a really ingenious thing. Just hire him to do craft services or something. But why? When he's good at this thing. You're he's clearly not. not great at this. I am totally like, great at I, this. I, everyone loved the movie. If everybody loved the movie, why... You know, it only got pulled because some dumbass They loved too. mine. They loved my changes. Oh, no. They loved to tweet as the, uh, the hashtags... Flew up on You're the screen. You're empirically wrong. That's never stopped me before. I hate to tell you, kid. I've been doing this since uh, way before you, and uh, at least well, two I, weeks. At least if you at least this two take weeks. my treatment, I'm gonna sue you. So you've got to catch twenty-two here. No, no, no. I'm gonna go back in time and pay you for it. That's the one who's potentially getting fired here. No, just like, never hired. He's getting fired. Your time magic is not this strong. You can't eliminate all the participants. Otherwise, you cause a singularity, which literally ends the world, which is what our movie's about and what we're trying to prevent. So it's a really meta movie is what you're saying. Hang on. Let me check the movie machine rule book here. Uh, nothing in there about it, probably because it's not a real thing. I you're gonna, Next, you're going to tell me a golden retriever can't play basketball. He can if he only has three legs. That's a hell of a change of that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Saddles. 
so there you have it's it. It's an actual Airbud plot point. One of them's an amputee. I can't make this shit up. There's like 17 Airbud movies. One of them's Airbud Three Tripod Boy or whatever. One, one they go to Mars. See, like I believe that way more than I believe the three leg thing. There is an amputee dog movie. I guarantee you. Oh well, yeah. So does this Not does this definitely anything, anything or are we? Uh, so there you have it, folks. <laughs> Zombie Ever After. It does exactly as well as I said it did. Uh, this was not successful in changing any of the things that happened. But it still turned out pretty good, so you guys all can work again if you would like to. And as always, we will leave you fine folks with a quote of wisdom from our divine sage, Guy Fieri. In the jam, my mouth's everywhere. Have a good one.